You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate more effectively. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech-language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech-language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of the Play, Teach, Talk podcast, 10 of the most frequent questions I get from parents. I thought I would try to answer the questions that I hear most in case you have these uh, questions in your mind about how children's speech and language development works, and when you try to get them to, to use more words to communicate, obstacles that you might come across. I'm going to start with uh, one through five today, and in the next episode, I'll go through the top six through ten questions. Question number one, should I stop them when they're spinning their toys? My answer to that would probably be no, unless you feel like the spinning is uh, happening so often that they're not able to play with their toys in any other ways. So I'm not meaning if they're sitting and they spin a toy that they like to spin for five minutes or so. I mean, if you're sitting there and watching them and they spin toys for 20 minutes and they're quiet and they're not interacting with you and you're not being able to share an activity. Spinning in itself is not a bad way of playing with toys. It's just one of the many ways that children interact with toys to learn more about them. I would try maybe if you have a child who likes to spin toys for long periods of time, though, to see if you can get in there, play with them. Maybe you take a turn and spin the toy and then give it over to them and say, my turn and your turn between spins. Question number two, what if he or she cries when I try to ask them to use words? It depends is really my answer on that one. It depends on really what they're doing, how they're crying, because most of us know that, and it's different for every child, and some children get frustrated quicker than others, but the type of crying really is what I would use as your determination of whether you continue to try to ask a child to use more words, or if you decide, hey, they've just had enough. You know, there's that cry that I'm a little irritated, I'm agitated, they're kind of whining a little bit or, or pausing a little bit and then kind of uh, when you try to get them to use a word or a sound or a sign to make a request. And then there's the full out starting to tantrum or really crying, real tears. The difference between that is I'm a little irritated because you're asking me to do something that's hard for me and you're pushing a little bit, and my brain has shut off, and I'm not going to be able to communicate with you at this point. We want to try to keep kids in that little bit of frustration mode, but not all the way to the point where they get upset. There's not going to be any learning that's going to happen when a child is that frustrated. So that's kind of what I would do. I would keep 
seeing if you can get them to use a word or a sound or a sign if your child's just mildly irritated at you. <laughs> but if they are full out upset crying, don't, it, it's not worth it to push past that because they've already decided that they're not engaged in this activity at that point. Another question I get from parents is number three, should I get the toys that you bring into sessions? Well, number one, I try not to bring in toys to sessions in the first place because we really can't do the same thing in therapy sessions that we do throughout the week unless, unless that toy is there for you. I want to leave a toy in a therapy session at the home if I'm going to bring it in. Um, but we sometimes use it to try to get that novelty. I, I don't want parents to think that the toy is the thing that actually creates the language skills. It's really more the interaction and the fact that it's just not something that they've seen before. That You can do that basically by rotating your toys in and out every few weeks, like I said in one of the prior sessions. So um, that's, that's really what I would do. I would try to make your toys new with them or maybe play with them in different ways. If you've been pushing toys back and forth, cars back and forth, maybe take a piece of cardboard and make a little ramp out of it or make your cars go up and down a couch or maybe hide them underneath a blanket or something and say peekaboo with it. Anything you can do to make the play new is really going to be what gets that communication in the new words. <laughs> this is number four. Do I really have to sing? Well, I mean, you don't necessarily have to, but you also don't have to have a wonderful voice to sing with your child. And music is one of those things that children are highly motivated by and that activates different circuits in the brain than the language circuits that are activated from plain speech alone. You can get a similar effect if you use rhythmic speech. That's an example like the brown bear book. Brown bear, brown bear, what do you hear? Percussion can sometimes bring as much interest to your speech as singing if you just don't feel like singing. But you get a lot of interest and engagement when you do use music. And when you're the one who produces it, then that is a cue for your child to pay more attention to you. Number five, this will be the last one. Why should I make it harder for them to get what they need when they can get it on their own? Okay, so I think a lot of homes and playrooms and daycares are set up so that kids can get to the things that they want and need easily. And it's hard. It's hard to work on speech. If you're trying to get more words out of your child and they're very independent and their world is set up in a way that they don't need to use words to communicate their wants and needs. So what I'm actually suggesting when I tell people to put toys up into a closet or up on a shelf that they can't get to, or uh, maybe have a cabinet that has a, a hard to open drawer or put something in a high cabinet if it's a snack that they really want. The reason I want to do that is temporarily to set up the need for a child to communicate with you. It's maybe not even necessarily a communication style, but if in your environment there's not a specific need for a child to communicate to get the things they want and need, they might just have learned to bypass 
those kinds of, of ways of communicating other than just communicating in play. They're not asking for their wants and needs because they really don't have to. So that's an option of something that you can try. You don't have to set up your environment so that kids need to use verbal requests more often, but it sure can help to increase vocabulary and also help children understand the reason why it's important to use words to communicate. So that was numbers one through five of 10 of the most frequent questions I get from parents. Check into episode number two of season two for the next five. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.